everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire. And all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up, and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Ryan, welcome yes, to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. Thank you for joining me. Um, folks, for those of you who don't know, Ryan Lachine has an incredible restaurant in Houston, Riel. And, you know, he is missing one front tooth, but he earned that playing hockey in Canada. And if I'm correct, it was Manitoba. That's it. Winnipeg, baby. See? So, you know, not everybody gets into the kitchen through traditional ways. Ryan, welcome. Thanks, man. Actually, funny story. The first time I got my teeth busted out, I was playing lacrosse, not hockey. Really? I used to play lacrosse in the summers. Lacrosse is, Canada, lacrosse is Canada's national sport, not hockey. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I was playing box lacrosse and some guy caught me fucking up high and just, I remember it, it felt like someone busted a glass in my mouth. It didn't knock him out clean. It just, it, it just crushed him. It was just terrible. <laughs> it was terrible man. And then it was just fucking downhill from there. <laughs> Which, you know, that actually makes sense, lacrosse and hockey, because, you know, it's very contact driven, you know, working with puck nets, small, you know, that's just, it's, you know, it's a lot of hand-eye, like my, you know, I'm not a big guy. Like my dad always said, like, you know, you just play stuff where you have your stick in your hands, sons, and just that stick, you know, you might be 5'9", 150, that stick makes you 6'2", 225. <laughs> Never drop that motherfucking stick, dude. Don't drop the stick. <laughs> Don't drop the stick. It's your protective. Yeah. So <clears throat> how did you go from playing hockey Pretty much, you were a pro at. Well, you know, like it's. I played junior hockey in Canada, right? And it was, just, you know, I played till my early twenties, and then started coaching. Um, and then moved down to to the U.S. Moved down to Houston. And for folks out there who watch Shorzy and know Letterkenny, <laughs> it's hilarious. He played with the gyms. All right, so that kind of puts <laughs> it into context. It is for real. Those guys are real. The gym. Those guys are real dudes. You know. Um, uh, so how did it? How did you transition out of playing? You know, and coaching a professional sport to running. I mean, it is definitely similar, right? Managing a kitchen, and and that brigade system is similar to playing yeah. in a sport. You know, there's your team captain and 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 all the the ancillary roles. Um, this is coming from a guy who does not play or has never played a team sport in his life. Um, but how did you make that transition from sport to, into the kitchen? What made you decide to go that route? You know, it was a weird situation when I, um, I when I moved down to the U.S., I was going to business school at University of Houston and um, I like I hated it. Like, I just I fucking hated it. I just but I like you don't know any better. You know, so you just think that's what you do you go to you go to school and you you get in you get a, a fucking desk job or whatever and i hated it and i just kind of made up you know like i went to culinary school when i was fucking 29 years old you know it was like a, i was an older guy right um and you know luckily it, it just worked out like there's like i like the action like i like work and service 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like being there. I like the fucking juice. I like when it's 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 getting crazy in there and that kind of stuff. And it did, you know, you can kind of compare it to, to sports or whatever. And yeah, like you do, you, I, I run my, my restaurant or my kitchen, like, like you're coaching or like you're leading a, a team, right? You know, like you do what's best for the restaurant first, not what's like when you clock in, you do what's best for the restaurant. And sometimes it's bit me in the ass. And sometimes people that work for me don't like, like, you know, whatever i'm a selfish prick or this and that but i i think that that's how that should be for these for these you know whatever eight hours you're working when you're in there you do what's best for everybody not what's for yourself and that's how you win in the end you know it's true I it's mean, true right you know you have to it's about the guest and it's about the, the the experience you're trying to create and it there is no i in team unless but there is a me there is a me but there is an a-hole Right. Really? If you look at the letter A, there's an I in there, yeah. the capital letter, you know, um, and that's the A-hole, right? Yeah. And you just like, you just, you, like, I just try to, like, hey, man, like, you, I I speak to my employees sometimes if they want to have one-on-ones, like, I was spoken to when I when I played sports from coaches, like, like those meetings, that kind of stuff, and what you have to do to be better, or if there's an issue, or, or how, we, how we deal with things, and I, I try to, you know, to run it like that has it bit me in the ass yeah you know because some some people just don't want to get down like that you know they don't like hearing you know we have to do what's best for their you know the customers in these eight hours you know after that you can do the fuck you want i don't care it's none of my fucking business <laughs> but right now we have to do what's best for this place so what made you say kitchen like what was what was that trajectory you're in school you're in business school you're miserable you're thinking you're gonna put on i can't even picture you in a suit and tie Go oh. <laughs> unless i'm going to court unless you're good yeah I'm put my court suit on <laughs> court suit um or like you know it's like you're going to the game right you had yeah. your had your game you had your game suit that you had to wear to show up and then you yeah yeah. You, you know, um, your stinky it, hockey bag clothes. It was um, one of it was one of those things, Chris, where I like, you know, to be honest, I was just kind of lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I've been, I've been playing sports since I've been a little, like three years old, four years old. When I started playing hockey, right? Like my older brother played hockey, my dad played hockey, you know, my grandfather played hockey, and and it's just then there's not a lot to do in Winnipeg. Like there, like I don't want to shit it, but like that's what you did, right? everyone did it um and then when that was done i was just fucking didn't know what was going on you're you know and i was in business school and i was like this fucking sucks man like <laughs> if i gotta write another paper on like the global economics of fucking china or something like that, i'm gonna fucking kill somebody and i always enjoyed cooking in that and i i said you know what fuck it like i'm going to culinary school and i'm glad i went to culinary school because i needed it like I needed, I needed to, I needed those basics to, you know, to figure out how to, you know, making like, I'm sure you know how, like you, like you get some of these people that come and work for you and they can make a fluid gel and they can do this, but they can't fucking make stock. How many of them boil your stock? Like yeah, They don't know how to do that. Right. They don't know those fundamentals of every, of the building blocks of what it takes to do what, what we do, you know? And I was, you know, I went to college and I I needed it. Like it was, you know, probably the best, the best investment I've made in myself. 
doing that. Very regimented, you know, and I think that that's what's yeah. really interesting about culinary school is the regimentation of it. And it's like, I think that's really important. The fundamentals are key, right? In every way, shape or form. But when you start to think about those fundamentals, the building blocks of every kitchen, right? Stocks, knife cuts. What does it mean to braise? What does it mean to saute? Like, before culinary school, before myself, the same thing. I saw it. My grandmother did it. My great grandmother did it, but I didn't know what it meant. I yeah. just like, yeah, okay. I, yeah, cool. Like baking, dough, hydration, you know, different fermentation process. I mean, all of that is the building blocks to become what you are now. Yeah, it's the, it's the first step, right? To, to do it, to do it properly. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, it's, you know, you can compare things to sports, but that's only I have something to compare things to, but it's just, um, it's discipline, right? It's, it's, it's the discipline of doing that first, those first couple of steps, right. And not making fucking shortcuts and not doing this and doing that. And like, um, and it, it, it you know, it's, it sucks. Sometimes you don't, you're fucking whatever. You don't want to do it. You just want to like get it done. And, and I have to tell my cooks, like, listen, like right now there's, there's no shortcuts right now. Like when you're prepping and that there's, there shouldn't be any shortcuts, you know? Yeah. Sometimes when you're in the juice during service, you gotta fucking make some magic happen, you know, in some way, shape or form happens. Right. But you know, when those, when it's before five o'clock and those tickets aren't clicking, then you should do your shit. Right. You know, like I know who's like, I think it was like Mike, what did Mike Tyson say? Like um, discipline is, is doing what you hate to do, but doing it like you love it. Yep. Right. You hate do I don't want to I don't want to fucking cook some bones off and fucking saute some mirepoix and do this and blah 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 and all that kind of shit. But you have to, or your end product's gonna be fucking shit. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's and it's similar to you playing hockey, right? There was that drills. You did that repetitive drills over and over again, right? How many times did they make you skate backwards and 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 skate cones backwards and slalom? You know, how many times to prepare you for the game? Prepare you. That's and that's it, right? Like and on all that discipline and all that work you do when it comes showtime, it just happens. You do all the work before like and it doesn't have to happen. you don't have to think about it it just kind of it just kind of happens right and it's safe. five o'clock 5 30 the curtains open right yeah. the doors open and service goes smoothly because okay. you put it all the time and energy prior and i think yeah. and what was that like you know you're in school were you doing internships were you kind of like working in restaurants well, it was a funny a funny thing so like when i went to when i was in culinary school um like people want to see my resume. I didn't have a fucking resume. Like I've never done anything before. Like I never had a, like, you know, a nine to five kind of job like that. Um, and nobody would hire me. I was like, I had, I was like the best guy in culinary school. I was like a fucking nerd. I did, <clears throat> I did everything right. I, you know, had the best grades. I did this snap. I couldn't get a job to save my life. I had to go work for a guy um, who, a guy here named Jason Gould used to work for Marco Pierre White at Marabella in fucking London. And he was, you know, he, he got down this dude. Right. And I can remember him yelling and screaming. I want to fucking punch this dude out. Like I, and I probably, I probably could, but looking back on it, like the discipline that he, you know, that he showed me doing that has helped me out a million times. 
where so where I can, was I can, I can, this I, is interesting I, yeah i can remember and i was i worked for free from for about four or five months like because that's the only thing i could do right no i couldn't get a job and now there's guys that i've worked for like brian caswell and that like i always tell brian remember that time you didn't hire me three times you motherfucker remember that when i applied with you three times that you never fucking hired me remember that, remember that? fucking bastard um but like you know i had to work for him for free and he knew it and he taught me like a lot of like lessons like i'm walking out with my um my mise en place from the walk-in on i had like two sheet trays and i stepped over like some there was trash on the floor or something and this guy went bananas on me like why the fuck would you just fucking use we don't care what goes on here right you just walk over trash you don't pick it up i'm trying to say like shift like i have a bunch of sh like shit in my hands like i'll put this down and pick it up right but it wasn't about that it was about you know like being aware of what was happening you know like those little like those small dumb things but i can remember one for the first time i ever went down in the kitchen like it was like you know you're just like you, you start like you're doing this and you go this way and you don't know what's going on i remember him seeing me do that and him coming and helping me for an hour to do what's best right and then yeah did he give it to me after when it was over yeah he did right you can't do this you gotta do this you can't do that man like what the fuck but at that time when i was getting you know getting pounded he was right beside me making fucking caesar salads and that you know that kind of stuff it's it's an interesting dynamic when you have that role of being the student and you know it's correction first discipline later yeah at the, at the time like i said at, at that time at that night you know at that point like you had to do what was best for the customer right the paying customer and that was him coming and helping me do that kind of stuff you know i i always remember you know that that, that there was a I, I when you look at military training right one of the things is and you know i never went to the military but i always you know was always as a kid growing up i would watch all those films and such but one of the things that was really interesting to me is that, do you remember that during those shows, they would always have the drill sergeant yelling, berating mm -hmm. those soldiers when they were shooting their weapon to, yeah. to deter them from hitting their target, right? To scare them to take. And then I always thought to myself, like, why in the world would somebody sit there and yell at me when I'm cooking a piece of fish because I'm not fast enough? Because that I have three seconds to get the fish right it's either going to be perfect or overcooked. And in that time that I'm being berated, it's not going to work. Right. So why bother? I what never, you know, like that was a learning from watching films. I learned that like, oh my God, this is just so ridiculous. I never got that either. Like I worked at a place and it wasn't the chef. It was one of the, you know, the owners of the place. I was always there. Like, and it was a busy restaurant. It'd get fucking crazy in there. It'd get real dicey sometimes. And, he would just yell at us and go, and it's not making it better. Like you're just making this oh. fucking bad situation a hundred times worse. Like adding chaos. Either, either help, help us out here or fucking shut the fuck up and let me like try to dig us out of this hole right now because you're, you're just making it. And, and, and you know how it is. If, if you're, you know, you have people that aren't mentally strong, it's just being mentally tough, right? If they just so, like you, you've, I'm sure you've seen a hundred times. You used to be able to shut down. They'll just stop working. Because oh, yeah. they can't, they they can't do it anymore. And like, why why would you do that to me at eight o'clock on Friday night? 
Why would you do that to any general? I mean, put it in a bigger picture. Why bother in general? Right? It doesn't, it's not effective for anybody, right? I mean, the guest is affected, your staff doesn't want to work for you. So it's interesting to hear, like, because you know, at that time, let's think about this from a bigger thing. Mirabelle and Marco Pierre White, pretty aggressive dude. I mean, was he that rock and roll, like aggressive dude? Yes, he was. Do I agree with his tactics? No. Was were we all enamored by him as young cooks? Of course we were. That book, White Heat, is present. Yeah, it was it was great, right? And you kind of always want to be that fucking macho dude, you know, that that's a shit kicker. But at the end of the day, what is what is that, you know, what does that get you? Like I and in my opinion, Chris, like the smart guys and the good leaders see you going down before you go down. And that's when you fucking rip them, right? When you like, man, this guy's not in right now, you fucking give it to him at 535. So it's seven and eight, they're on it before before the shit goes down. The smart guys can see it happening, right? The guys that have been around can see things aren't aren't going well here. And this guy is not on it right now. I'm gonna fucking rip him right now and 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 try to fucking jolt them back into reality. And then we'll deal with it as it comes. When they, yeah, when like they, when quit, it, quit mucking it. about, quit mucking about at the key time, which yeah. is prepared, you know. And there's always that. Always that. And I, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it too. You know, as leaders, now you're guilty of it too. Sometimes you're just not on it. You know, I whatever mean, happened or whatever, like you're just that day. You're not fucking. You're not the best, and that happens. I I worked with a gentleman by the name of Bob Kincaid. He had a restaurant called Kincaid's in Washington D.C. And I will tell you, there were days when he would literally shut it down. Really? He would shut down the, he would just go, shut her down. I'll never forget. (laughs) Kitchen would be getting pummeled. I mean, we would do, I think the record was like 625 covers in one night. And it was like banging seafood, beautiful. Like I had to work grill. I had to maintain my fire. And it was like, I had six simple grilled fish and then then another five six dishes on top of it yeah so i was getting crucified but he would literally shut down the kitchen he would tell the servers don't take an order don't do anything till we get out of the weeds and then you'd get out of the weeds and he'd be like let it rip so all these servers would take (laughs) (laughs) the fucking thing it starts clicking again like fuck here we go and and it would I'll never forget that shutter down. You know, he was just notorious for that because he knew it's what we needed to do for the customer. Yeah. Like you, there's, you know, you, there's that point where you're not catching up, right? Like, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can have a hundred other cooks come in there. It's not fixing fucking nothing. No, no. it's just, you're, you're, you're in, the, you're in the fucking juice and you're, and you're going down, you're, you're, you're fucking taking a beating and you just kind of like take it like a man and let's, Let's try to, you know, get out of this shit right now and then, like, you know, start over. If you if you tanked, if your station went down on the restaurant, right? So, like, if you were the one that was behind, that caused the... the That sank the ship, the next day, you would be in the box. And the box would be called, would be Chef Kincaid's favorites, which guaranteed you would sell... 75% 75% more of what you had sold the day before. And it was his way of saying, good job, ding dong. You're going to get it today. And you yeah. would, as soon as you walked in, they were like, yo, Costantino, you're in the box. And I was just was like, oh. 
I was like, but chef, it wasn't my fault. No, it was your fault yesterday. Okay, chef, I got it. And you would can't, just, do, can't do that anymore. You would prep like nobody's business, like being so ahead and you would just get, I mean, I can picture in my head those moments of like, Fire 25 grilled squid. I want 15 mahi mahi. <laughs> I want seven grilled. I was just like the look on my face and you had headphones on. Whatever. It was crazy. Whatever. Uh, I, I can remember the first time when I worked for Caswell at Reef and I worked uh, the like the plancha. I worked and that's where the majority of the fish came at a seafood restaurant. And I was getting fucking just punted around. And my sous chef came over and she said, she's like, just put all the fucking fish down. Put it all down as fuck. <laughs> Whatever I had, it was on that motherfucker. <laughs> that was it. We were going we to sell it in some way, shape, or form. At that point, I didn't give a shit. It was all, go- it was all getting, everything was getting cooked. It was all time. going. Oh, yeah. So, so you're working at this restaurant. What is the next steps from there? I mean, you work for free for four months to, to establish yourself. And I think that's a really important thing because... At that time, in a lot of places, wouldn't hire people with zero experience, right? And, you know, um, so you you basically, you're stagiaire for a Marco Pierre White protege who's come to the States. Now, what what is that next step from there? Are you are you going to another you know, restaurant? Is he finally pay you? You know, he finally paid me in, a, in, a, in another funny, like, kind of story. Um, I'd never had to clock in anywhere before like punch a fucking clock right so i remember like when he and i think i was making eight bucks an hour or something like that you know and i uh i just you know i i'd come straight from school go to work i had to be there i think at like four o'clock or whatever um and i forgot to clock in and after the shift like you know i'm trying to clock out and only clock out because you know i did clock in so i say hey hey chef um you know i forgot to clock in he came over he looked at me and he said thanks and patted me on the back and turned around and fucking walked away. And I worked for fucking free that day. And I never ever forgot the clock in again. There was your lesson for that day. That was my lesson, right? It was a, it was a fucking you know it was I, like I've been doing this for a while. I never forgot that kind of that that kind of stuff, you know. And that was, I think it helped me being a little bit older and and been around that kind of like like not the kitchen, but people and 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 life in that where i understood that i knew what i wanted to do and like i did the i did the research of who i thought the best chefs were in houston um because i wasn't gonna move like i was you know um i I was married at the time and that's so you know my my ex-wife had a had a a career and her family is from houston so i wasn't you know i wasn't picking up and moving to new york or san fran or fucking you know to go work for whoever so i had to do my homework and and see you know who the best guys i thought were you know for me i want to work for and i work for like i said caswell didn't hire me fucking three times right um and then i end up running his restaurant you know whatever before i opened my my spot and he's become you know a very very good friend of mine but i understood um the discipline and the work ethic i had to have to to get to the next level like i wanted my sous chef's job like I want, I fuck that guy. I'm a better cook than him. I'm a harder worker than him. Like I want, I'm gunning for this dude. I want his job, and I know I can do it. I'm watching him that, and like if that, you know, and I like to the point where you're sabotaging someone, but I know that 
this guy, I'm a, I'm a better, I'm a harder worker than him. I'm fucking smarter than this guy. I'm a better cook than this guy. And I want, I'm, I want his job. You know, I think maybe some of these people get complacent. Like, no, like you shouldn't want to be a 35 year old line cook, you know, like you just, you end up working for the guys that you trained. So I was always like, I knew what I wanted to do. And I had an end goal. Like I want my own fucking spot. Like I want to be my own guy, you know, was that the smartest thing? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you know, I should have got maybe. I should have maybe took that fucking golf course country club fucking gig. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I'm grinding it out now. But you know, whatever, I got my own spot. It's cool and that kind of stuff. But you know, I I always looked at that like, like, are we on a team here? You know, yeah. Here's my guy that does this. Here's the guy that works grill. Here's this. But you know, at the end of the day, like I have to outwork you. Like I got to be the best guy, guy here to, to get to where I want to go. You know, I think that's, you know, in maybe sports time, I don't know. You know, yeah, you're on a team, but you still want to outwork everybody. It's interesting. You think about those moments of that. I want to, I want that job. And I remember being told if you want to move forward, you have to be able to work the person's station next to you. If that person gets hurt. 100% or if that person calls out sick. So not only would you be prepping your station, you would be out of the corner of your eye the whole time. Like, and I mean, at least for me, it was like prior to having cell phones to take pictures of station setups and all that stuff, notebooks of drawings, right? This is the station layout. This is what they have on their station. So you'd write yours and then they would like go to the walk-in and you'd draw up their station, like being prepared. Like, okay, if this, if this guy gets knocked down or if he gets hurt or calls out sick, I can jump in. And you always, always were looking two steps ahead because that was the way to progress. Yeah. You have to like know how to do all that stuff, right? And it's all education. And I think that's the that's the thing for me that's the most exciting part about cooking is like you never know everything you're always learning there's always a new technique there's always an ingredient there's always something to be shared and i think the moment you think you know everything is the moment you really are clueless you're fucking clueless and and like i don't you know people kind of give me shit sometimes because some of my cooks are on their phones and that kind of stuff but that's how this generation learns right like me and you learned, like turn around and look behind you. Like you had to read those fucking books to yep. learn anything, right? You couldn't, you couldn't, there's no YouTube. There's no fuck all. Like you yep. either learn by reading a book or you learn by going to stage somewhere. Yeah. Like you had to learn it first fucking hand. You couldn't, you couldn't get online and look at, oh man, like I can see what you're doing on Instagram, like as it fucking happens. Yeah. So if they're doing that. I don't care. Like, that's like, like, it's like, if it's slow, like one of my, like read a fucking read one of those cookbooks, if it's slow, don't fucking stand around, do nothing. Right. That's the same thing in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's like, a little bit easier how to learn how to do stuff. Right. Because it's just all the information's right there. You don't have to go you don't have to do the digging. There's no, there's no like 75% of the books behind me don't have pictures. Yeah. And this new you know this opportunity to go onto youtube it's like oh man chef i don't know how to make a bernays okay type in bernays youtube and you know do it practice try you know and then i want you to make 
hollandaise first, but then you're going to make all the derivatives of it after. <laughs> what are the mother sauces? Okay, start walk in. There's some fucking eggs. There's this. There's the bot. You know, like it's all there for you. Just fucking figure it out. Or like someone had to physically show us how to do it. Oh yeah, I mean that was part of that was part of you know stocks and sauces course, right? And then mm -hmm. you had mother sauces. Then you had all the derivatives. But I think now it's having the access gives them. And it's like, yes, there's a lot of people and, you know, at times I get begrudging about it. And, you know, there are a lot of folks who get begrudging about it, but it's just a new way of learning. Like there's stuff I learn all the time. And right? if, if guys like us can adapt to that, then we have fucking shame on us for being bad fucking leaders and bad bosses that you can't like, you know, it's not about fucking me and you, right. It's about, it's about the restaurant. So that it goes back to the same thing. If you want to be some fucking hard ass, you know, dick to your cooks and do this and do that. If they're not responding to it, like if you if you coach the hockey team or a whatever team, if your players don't respond to you, then you're getting fucking fired. And obviously, you know, I can't get fired from my own restaurant. I wish I could sometimes, but but I can't. <laughs> um, like if they're not responding, then shame on you, man. Shame on me. I'm not doing this right. I have to sit down and figure out how to make what makes these kids fucking tick and to do this because the restaurant's going to move on right restaurants are very fluid you know food comes in food goes out money comes in money goes out people come in people come out this it's all it's like a fucking living thing you know it tells you what to do and if you're too much of a fucking egomaniac to sit down and look at yourself and say like what i'm doing here isn't right it's not working then you're a fucking loser in my opinion you know like yelling and screaming doesn't work for these new kids. They just fucking, they don't, it's, it's, it's not a, a chef's world anymore. It's a line cook's world, right? Like you almost need them more than they need you now. Yep. Like, right. When you were a fucking line cook, you go into some, like you want to work the best places. There was a stack of fucking resumes like that of guys that wanted your gunning for your job and you had to fucking bring it. Nowadays you're begging for warm bodies sometimes. Like just someone to fucking like, just, you know, just a plug. And when you get those good people, if you don't treat them right and you're not doing what's best for them, I think you're a fucking bad leader. You're, you suck. Well, I think there's a point of it. They're there for multiple reasons. They want to grow personally and professionally and giving them the education and the tools to succeed is the most important thing. 100%. Right? We, we, the term, and I think this this has gotten forgotten, right? Chef, the term chef ultimately just means teacher. We're just passing on techniques and, and, and from generations over and yeah. over. We're just passing on education. And it, we can't do it all by ourselves. And anybody that thinks we're doing it all by ourselves is a fool. Yeah. I, you need, I need my team there, like, you know, and... And they, I understand they look up to me as, as, you know, doing this and I have to be there for them in whatever way they need. You know, I can't just be a selfish prick and I don't want it. I don't like what you're doing. Well, let's try to find them, you know, a middle ground here where I'm happy and you're happy and everything's working, you know, like my guys, like at their, like, you know, when you work, like your station had to be like this, right? Like, and that's the way the guy before you had it like that. And the guy fucking before him, that's the way the station is. Like if, if my guys want to set something up that, that is more efficient for them, I don't give a shit. Like how does that, it doesn't affect me. 
You know, if that makes it easier where the fucking shallots are here and not over here where they used to be for the last five years, what do I care? I I, I understand it's it's something, you know, it's a it's a point, it's a discipline of this is how it is and let's do it. But if it's gonna make that guy's job easier, that girl's job easier, and it's not affecting the the final product, what do I give a fuck? Well, I think that's really you know, we've and that's a really great point because you know, when you set up and, and for folks out there, don't lining up the kitchen and putting in ninth pans with ingredients, the way we would normally set it up is, okay, if you have five ingredients in the dish, you would have three ingredients in a row and your nine pans, yeah. the other two. But if you're right-handed, you set it up one way. If the person's left-handed, they're going to set it up another. So why would you force that individual to go to your, your particular hand right so i'm right-handed this cook's left-handed there i just recommend that they set it up in clusters so that their ingredients are clustered together per dish it's 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 independent of that individual though of how they make it work and it's it's and it's muscle memory where you're not looking right that's one like going back to the guy that i the the guy that i worked for first so you know i needed that discipline i'm like this is how it is right but he would watch me and when it was like slower that like if i had a piece of whatever and i grabbed salt if i seasoned something twice he would fucking yell at me for wasting movements right like don't like fucking you have three fish right there grab enough salt to fucking season all three of them things right now don't waste them and i was like you know you think about it I'm like what the fuck's this guy talking about but those three seconds if you do that a hundred fucking times a night you've just wasted five minutes and like you know it's five minutes is everything in the kitchen you can ruin you can destroy things in five minutes and if you fuck five minutes up four more times there's fucking 20 minutes you know now you're now the whole place is going down and i think that's that's a really you know temping meats and bringing things and just teaching that aspect is is not always in someone's nature, right? It's not, it's not common sense, right? Like, like, hey, listen, like we have this this thing right here. Don't have it in your low boy. Bring it out and temper it. So we're going to knock that time off there in the pan. Yeah. And it's going to go on that plate faster. And it's going to help you out in the long run, right? Because we have to, at the end of the day, we have to turn tables. We have to push it out. So it, like, we, like, you know, be smart. And that's not common sense to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's also not trained, right? Those are yeah. things that aren't that aren't part of the the traditional training, mm-hmm. um, because when you're in culinary school, they're telling you temperature danger zone, temperature danger zone. Don't have food sitting in these zones. So the instant reaction of a young cook is being told that food is dangerous sitting at this temperature, so they're not going to let it sit. And I think that's a really important part. And then there's the educational part of when you let meat rest, it increases 15 degrees, one degree per minute. So yeah. there's things in there that you know are ingrained from school that is correct if you leave proteins out for seven hours at this temperature you're going to kill somebody right you're going to make somebody sick but there's also things where you need to let meat come to temp so that it equalizes so when you're cooking it it doesn't take as long and it's also has more moisture and juice content there's little things like you know like what you're talking about like i had a chef who literally put tape on the floor (laughs) the whole pass put tape down on the floor up the range i wasn't allowed to step out of that tape during service Mm -hmm. 
And he was like, this is your work zone. You can't be everywhere. That made me efficient. Um, made me a lot more efficient because like I had stuff scattered and he like consolidated me and said, I need you to work in this area. So people around you have space. So you have space. You're more useful of what you're talking about, right? That motion. And then he, uh, the other one was do the swivel, right? One foot stays, is nailed to the floor and you just constantly turn in circles, 363. Yeah. If you're pulling meat, you know, and you know, you've got five more on back, pull all at once and then go, then keep going. Then keep, and then it was like a spin cycle. Right. And that's how he explained to work the station. And I still work like that to this day. I share the information. If people choose to use it, that's great. If they don't, that's up to them. And that's the thing you can like, look at, at good cooks. Like I have a girl that works for me. And she don't even fucking look at me. Like I can just, I can just, and she's right beside me or I'm asking, I can just say it to her. And she's just looking like, not like, like, you know, heard this, that, like she gets it, but she's just bang, 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 bang. It's just muscle memory. It's just a fucking machine. It's awesome. Like, and you, and you know, you know how it is. Like you see these, you see these kids come and work. In the like, zone. He's a fucking, wow. like, like this person, they're a cook. Like they fucking, they move like a cook. They're not like, or this night or they're not looking at like, what was that like they you you just fucking belt it out to them i want this i need this i need this i need this i need this and um and it's there i think that's a really good point because in sport there's the flow right yeah. we'll talk about being in the flow where you're or in the zone and it's when that and and, and i like to, to to say for me it's cycling i get in the zone there's a certain pain threshold. I get there and then I just sit and I just like zone everything out and I get into it. And it's the same thing with cooking. That hum of the hood, the ticket rattle and that flow of cooking. And then you're standing next to somebody that is the same and it becomes a ballet and you never miss a beat. And that's a magic feeling. It really, truly is magic. It's funny with some people, you know, you've been to my spot and it's open, it's a, it's a wide open kitchen, right? Like, and if you sit at the, you know, we call it the chef's counter, like where we are right there, it's open and it looks like they're like, oh, this is so nice. It's like a ballet and this and that. But if you walk around that fucking corner, it's fucking chaos back there. It's nuts. And I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. But it's orchestrating. It's, it's orchestrating, but it's, it's, nuts and it's yelling, it's banging, there's this, and people are dropping it. Someone dropped the fucking pan, and this happened, and you know, blah, blah, blah. But but the food comes out nice, right? And the, the and that's always like, you know, I, I tell my cooks, and like, you know, you get roughed up some nights, it's shitty back there, and you get punted around and beat up, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and but you did whatever, you know. 200 covers which is a lot in my my little restaurant nothing came back you should all be proud of yourselves like we won tonight we scored hockey a fucking greasy road win you go to some little shit town and just 2-1 squeaker gates get out of there on stage like you see fucking road win boys let's get on a bus let's just go home it's <laughs> over we won wasn't pretty <laughs> but we won this one tonight right and i found that like it wasn't pretty man but we won you, you should all be fucking proud of yourselves i know it hurt I know it sucked and maybe I yelled at you or maybe something you didn't think was the best, but everyone out there was, we're, we're in the hospitality industry. Everyone out there is happy. Look at all the guests are happy. So we fucking won tonight. Let's try to be better tomorrow and not make it that painful. But I, I know you can't control that. You can't control how the tickets come. You can only control what you're fucking cooking. 
Yeah. So be focused on that and put it up in a timely manner. And it's my job to deal with it from there. And I think that's really like, it's the communication with behind the door, behind that kitchen team that really makes it cohesive. It's again, it goes back to that. We're not solo running a restaurant. We're, we're a team and we're there to make people smile. We give taste memories. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's our, our fucking job, right. Is to make those people happy is, you know, like, and I was guilty of this when I was younger, like, Oh, fucking someone ordered a well done steak or they want this and that who fucking cares what they want. They're paying for it. They can eat it off the floor if they fucking want to. I don't like, it's none of my business. It's my business to, to, to cook what they asked for. Right. That's our job. It's their preference. Your I don't give a fuck. Everybody's version of medium rare is different. You know, everybody's version of like, you know, you season something. Some people have an aversion to salt. Some people like more salt. I think there's so much to it. And it's about making people happy. Yeah. That's our that's our job. People We're in the forget, like, hospitality industry, man. You want to somebody wants that steak well done, give it to them well done. They want it black and blue, make it black and blue. Who cares? If you have the means to do it, do it. I mean, there is some things that become a little bit over the top when yeah. when people start mixing and matching, like it's a like it's a like it's a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a connect the dots when you're a kid in 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 kindergarten. There's like it says the word cat, and then the kid connects it to a dog. Like you know, you can't just start mixing everything. And then I think that comes when because it all goes through us first, right before it goes to the cook. So there's sometimes right. I'll say no, I'm not, I can't do that, right? It's not it's because not we don't want the guests to have a bad experience. No. I think that there's that disconnect sometimes. That um, I know it may sound good, but hammering a seafood dish with parmesan cheese is going to make the the seafood taste spoiled just because you like chocolate and mushrooms and fucking cranberries doesn't mean all three of those are going to be good together right and i'm a you know you have to maybe someone's guess trust me say that's not going to be good like like let's fucking you know i can do uh, cranberries and chocolate but i can't do cranberries chocolate and and mushrooms i think there's that balance of how do we make the guests happy, giving them what they want without making them be upset, right? I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way sometimes. If they, if someone this or like, you know, um, you know, to my fault, my menu doesn't read that great. It's just like steak, parole. It doesn't tell you what what's all in it, right? There's like fucking five words of what's kind of the main ingredients in there. And sometimes I've had people come in and sit down and they, they're like, they don't know what's going on right they it's they're gonna leave or whatever and i'll tell them like hey listen we like this like i'll make it for you if you don't like it it's on me right like, like just stay and figure and, and it's not you know like i stand behind what we do there and if you don't like it hey i get it that's fine like real is not for everybody you know and i i get that but just give me a chance just give me a, give me a fucking shot if i lose i lose whatever i'm willing to you know to step up and 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 do it if you don't like it that's fine like you know you know how it is like you have to be able like what we do you have to be able to every day you put a plate out in front of someone and they go like we are gonna fuck you suck like there's there's no in between right either you're good or you're you know yep. it's fucking kind of black and white you either you either like them they like it and they want to come back or like fucking lachane sucks and you I, have, you to, have to deal with that right criticism you have yeah. to be comfortable taking a punch to the chin and and to be honest 
it sucks when people say they don't like what you do. Sure. It's, it's a lot of hard and soul. You're fucking everything on a plate and this is you and you're fucking so proud of it. Um, and someone doesn't like it. It sucks. Like in, at my restaurant, like my cooks, I lean on like, I'm like, you better put stuff on the menu here. Like that's part of your job here. I don't want fucking some robot back there. I can, you know, just, just, you know, regurgitating whatever I said or what I did. I get it at first, but when they understand they can do these other things and make this food, like that, that girl works for me, she's putting up awesome fucking plates. Now they're fucking delicious, you know? And when she started, she was kind of like scared and putting up stuff. And I would like not rip her apart. Like this doesn't work like this, you know, we got, it needs more ass. It needs this, it needs that, blah, 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 you know? And then she kind of came into her own. She's not, she's not cooking for me. She's cooking her own food, but it's delicious. And it fits into what we do there. But with that being said, people are going to shit on your food now. Now it, right. You're going to put something up there. And I'm saying, this is fucking great. You're going to give to somebody like this fucking sucks. And you have to be able to deal with that. That comes with the territory and that's not going to change. Right. Either you like it or you don't. So that's, Hey, I'm fucking so proud of you for, 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 you know, you know, being vulnerable and putting all this, this stuff that you like on a plate and making it beautiful and putting it out there, but you have to be prepared to get fucking kicked in the teeth. It's going to happen. I know. Look at you. Look at me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you're 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 you can't be this fucking pretty, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> you're, you're working with Caswell. When is the moment that you figured out and where did you go from there did you like I'll, was it i'll tell you a, a fucking uh, a funny story um not a fun, but when i when i got i got it i was um i worked for that the first guy um the mark pair white guy jason gould who was awesome uh, you know then i worked for caswell and um at the time um my my ex-wife was pregnant you know i have twin boys right so i i knew like if i don't like you know i'm going to be a dad now kind of the fun's over i can't be just this farting around like i get serious so i went my stage for almost a year i bounced around so i spent a couple months at husk with with brock um i literally i was i think i was there for six weeks i stayed in charleston which was a, a game changer for me um and i and and that was the only stage i had set up and from that i met a bunch of dudes in new orleans so i met the guys that worked for donald link so i, I went to, i went i went home and then i went to new orleans for a little while i was at Krishan herb saint work yep. like with, with that group right um because i understood i i understood you know where i was where it's in a cook you know i'm a fucking dude i'm from fucking winnipeg right like i'm from the canadian prairies i knew nothing about southern food like nothing, like fucking zero. And I understood I had to kind of figure this out, right? If I want to succeed to what I'm doing, I have to understand what my clientele is going to be and how I have to cook, you know, and and, and get it because, that, you know, Caswell at the time was doing like, you know, kind of a lot of golf, a lot of golf cold stuff, that kind of shit. Um, you know, I did that and then I wanted to work in like a fine dining white tablecloth, like Michelin starred restaurant which I'd never, I'd never even eaten in a place like that before. I had no fucking clue what it was about. So um, I emailed a bunch of fucking places. And the only people that got back to me was um, L2O, 
um, what's his fucking face was at L2 at the time. Laurent. Um, Laurent was at L2 and um, Daniel Patterson at Qua. So I forget how it happened in Chicago couldn't go. So I ended up going to, I was at, I was at Qua for fucking two weeks or whatever. Um, and I was lucky enough that they had a guest chef dinner with um, Sat Baines and what's his name? Had Claude Wazi. Oh yeah. I remember when that was going on. So they were there, right? Um, and, you know, I never worked in a fine dining restaurant. Like I remember I was like, ah, I said, fuck there. And like someone said like language, like, I couldn't swear. And I was like, what the fuck? I can't swear in the kitchen. You're like, what's happening? It was, it was weird to me, right? It was very quiet and um, almost to a point like this is kind of boring. Like I, like, I like the fucking chaos. I like when it's, you know, not just like doing this and doing that, but that day um, I got to help Sat Baines. Like I was just doing things and he was the fucking nicest guy. He's like, he's an like, animal though. He's an animal in it. They're both fucking animals. I, I, I can tell you some stories once we stop recording about those couple of days. <laughs> um, those guys are serious. Hardcore. Hard core old school old school dudes right serious dudes and they're big imposing men too both of them i think i think they, Sat used to be a rugby fucking huge man yeah like a big guy. and 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 he was nice like he was just fucking around there you know those guys like they dropped sea bombs on everybody and this and that but like like claude was a little bit more like yeah you know he's a fucking big french dude right and you know he was gonna fucking tear your new asshole and he did one of the guys are funny as fuck up but i was working with sat and he was super nice like hey man like you don't work i'm like no i'm sorry she's like yeah i know it's like stage and you're kind of like a you know a piece of the machine that doesn't fit and you don't know what to do and he's like just come hang out with me and and, and he was doing these dishes and he explained it to me how, why he like like not how he was doing them why he was doing them and i fucking got it like there was that moment, like I'm not just reading recipes and 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 fucking just regurgitating shit. Like I know now why these guys and why they're doing this. It's not how I can do it. The how's easy, right? The cooking part's easy. Why are they doing this? Why does this make sense? Why are these guys so fucking creative? And method doing, to their madness. They're fucking. And there's a method to it, right? It's not just they're not throwing shit together. This, you know, he was doing. Uh, I forget what this what the dish was but it was like onions and radishes and it was all like just these kind of root vegetable things and that was what it was right it, they all it all it, when you look at it together it all fucking made sense and he told me why it made sense and it's it was like, because you know i i i've met sat i've met claude and and both of them i mean if you and if anybody out there who's listening to this follows these guys on instagram if you watch sat bane's he'll draw out all his dishes. Everything he does, he draws out, thinks it through. And, and there's a method to the madness of why it comes together. And both of them are brilliantly talented and so, so good. Like now, and that was it, right? I couldn't, when I saw the menu, I was like, like, um, I think Claude did some kind of like, like had like a, a fucking airline chicken breast. I was like, why would this guy like fucking chicken breast? Like, what the fuck is this guy? But he he made this duck cell and put it under the skin and fucking sealed it. And he had some kind of like coffee jelly that he put on there and that. And I was like, this is fucking like this. Is, sounds like a bunch of fluff. It's fuck fuck this. And it made sense. And like these guys, like, I'm like these fucking guys know what they're doing. 
And this is, they're doing this for a reason, right? There's all these flavor profiles that work together and, and they, you know, and that's why they're doing it. And sat, you know, kind of walked me through all this stuff. I mean, you didn't, and the thing is, didn't have to, right? I could have just been cutting fucking childs for him. You know, so he didn't have to do the work because they were so hung over that fucking day. It was hilarious. <laughs> but, oh man, they were, they were just sweating in that little, even in that little kitchen there, right? They were just sweating. It was a small kitchen. <clears throat> they were sweating in there. It was funny, but they pushed it out and it, it was great. And But he, you know, super nice guy, gave me his card, said, hey man, where's he in Nottingham or something? You ever yep. Nottingham? Hit me up and I'd love to have you to come eat the restaurant. Like a fucking genuine, nice dude. That just wasn't like, you know, ringing cooks out for his own benefit to do whatever and fuck you, I'll see you later. Like a good dude. And that was my kind of like, holy shit moment. Like, I, I understand what these guys are doing now. And seeing the work they put in, like all the shit that had to be done to make these like five component dishes was unbelievable. You know, like that's like, that's what I like. Simple is not easy. No, it, being honest, honest cooking isn't easy. No, because there's it, nothing to hide behind. There's nowhere to there's hide, no bells right? and whistles, right? There's, there's no, fucking, you know, like, it's, you know, it, yeah, is it nice when you go to some place and they come over and they know you and they shave fucking 800 ounces of truffles on your fucking pasta? It's nice, but that doesn't impress me. Like, you're just, that's, the, you know, you're just putting something that you didn't even make on something that people just think is fucking dope. It's not like making something that, you know, it took you all day that you had to do this, these steps properly is impressive to me. And that's hard. It's hard to cook honest. It really, it really fucking is like, I don't need dry ice and fucking, you know, liquid nitrogen and smoke and all this fucking bullshit. Like it's, it's tough to be, to be an honest cook. I try to tell my guys that like, you gotta be honest here, man. You gotta be honest. Like this is, I know maybe you saw this video with some guy doing something fucking cool and that, but number one, it doesn't fit here in this restaurant. Number two, it's a bunch of fucking fluff. <laughs> there's, so, no, there's no guts in that. So what happened from there? You came back and... and I, I, I came back um, and I was looking for a job. Um, and... Uh, Chris Shepard was opening up Underbelly. And I kind of knew Chris a little bit from like, you know, I, he had a place called Catalan before that where I'd eaten a couple of times and, you know, I knew him through Kaz and um, the, the previous restaurant I worked at, you know, he would come there and eat and he was opening up Underbelly. And um, I almost took another job at, a, at um, Uchi when Uchi was opening up at the same time. And I was talking to those guys and Chris grabbed me one night, literally. Um, and I, I, tell us towards like we were at a fucking a buddy of mine's um karaoke bar um called glitter they actually own up own blood brothers barbecue now um i was there with chris and he's like it's literally two o'clock in the morning when he's like hey man i need i need a sous chef you know i'm like i've never been a sous chef before i don't know what the fuck he's like you know just let me show you around and, and talk to me and you know chris talked to me and that and you know next thing you know i was i was there with with, with him and it was, you know, and look at him now, right? Like that was, that fucking place was a fucking monster. It was, it was lightning in a bottle because of, and I remember, I remember the explosion. I remember the <sighs> excitement of it. 
because he brought together multiple cultures, multiple farmers, and it gave connectivity in an area where people didn't see it. It was it was crazy, right? Because like legitimately, you know, we only used local farmers. We didn't have a produce company. And that restaurant, that room was fucking huge. So it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, and we would, we would get like, I think three pigs a week, every, um, you know, every couple of weeks we get a whole fucking cow in and we had a butcher in the back and we could break these things down that, but no matter what, a cow's only fucking got, you know, yep. so much, whatever on, right. There's only fucking, there's only, uh, you know, all of them only have four feet. So you like, literally we would have to change gears during service, like cuts in this and that, because we only had so much of something. And if something popped off, we'd run the fuck out of it. And same with veg too. We'd have to change all the time, right? So we would have to do it, you know, during service, like Friday night, 8.30, you're getting fucking kicked in the teeth and I figure out how to. We're out of Gylon. What are we switching to now? Yeah, what are we switching to now, right? We have to find something to to do that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was, I don't, till this day, I don't know how we pulled it off. Like for that many people, it was fucking crazy. You know, and you were doing the same thing at your spots too, right? Like you, you, you're, you're doing stuff like there's only two fucking loins on everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, after that, I mean, yeah, I mean, we would ultimately for at that time at Encanto, which was the same time that Underbelly was coming up. You know, it was a situation where we would just say lamb, and we would yeah, have exactly right. We would have a sausage or a braise. And then we would have a muscle and that muscle would rotate. It could be a loin, it could be a chop and it could be a leg fillet. We would seam out all the legs and we would do the individual leg fillets, but it changed, but we just never told people what it was going to be, but the server would have to do it. Right. That's part of it. And I think it created a unique environment, but also at the same time, it, it, it really made better, better cooks. All those cooks that worked with me have gone on to do great things. A hundred percent. Was it, it was like, yeah, it's hard, right? Because you're changing hard. fucking gears. It's it was hard. It's fucking hard on you. Like, fuck, like, you know, you're, I remember like running around the butcher in the walking, like, what can I, you know, what, what can I do? we got left? <laughs> I'm, ask, I'm asking Shepard and he's like, fuck, I don't know either, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> figure it out. out here. You know, you just, and you just make it happen and you just, you, you make it and, and people, you know, they responded, they liked it, you know, it, it, I think it, it made me a, a better cook, not just a, like, cause I'm not just a fucking robot back there. No, it made you think. And I think, you know, measure of a chef's success is how you learn to deal with problems and how you learn to ebb and flow. Right. And I think, understanding the ingredients being able to move and flow with the ingredients as the evening goes is really you know with the seasons with your farmers you know and i think that to me is is the bigger picture right yeah Yeah. so you're there you're now you're at i mean in you know let's fast forward from opening there just to opening riel and and let's talk about that a little bit who was there somebody who mentored you in that process or did you just figure it out along the way? I just, I just figured out like I'd, I'd been um, like part of like an opening crew of an open restaurant, but you know, like you're just a, a cook, right? So you're just like, maybe you're, your chef's telling you R&D a dish, you're cutting chalets, you're doing this and you're just kind of, you know, setting things up, but like doing things, you know, open your own spot, like just fucking winged it, you know? And there's things that you just don't, you don't know. 
Yeah. Right. There's just like what like there's no PL training, there's no business plan perfect. training, there's no and I think that that's a that's a hard part about our business. It's the hard part. You have point. you have like you know, I had I'm sure you like you have these fucking ideas, like yeah. you know, like it's gonna it's like romantic, right? And it's not, it's hard work. Like I I like I said, I I believe that restaurants are like a living thing. Like that space tells me what the fuck to do. It tells me what it's capable of. I can say, I want to do this. I want a bread program. I want that. Real tells me to fuck off, man. No, that's not, that ain't happening here, buddy. I don't care, There's what, no space. I don't care how cool you are, what do you think you are? And it's not happening, right? It, it, you have that amount of heat and that amount of stuff. And that's what you can do here. So now it's my job to fucking do that. To what I, to, to what I have, right? That's why I think like the, um, the pandemic was was hard because you know you know like you have to you had to change gears overnight and do this to go shit and do this like when you build a restaurant you build a kitchen to produce food for that dining room and that dining room alone that's it i think i think the pandemic will definitely change kitchen design moving forward a hundred god knows that's going to happen again which you know it may you, we never know. Now they're talking about bird flu. Who knows? But, you know, I think that that's a, it's going to change the dynamic. And it's also opened up more revenue, you know, revenue streams by doing to go or, or meal kits or different things. But at the moment, we weren't prepared for that. No I wasn't prepared. And I, you know, I, you know, was fortunate enough that, you know, I had a, some guys in me like, hey, we, like, let's start doing sandwiches right now, like fucking tomorrow. Which is like, I love eating sandwiches. I wish I had a sandwich shop. I fuck, you know, I like dirty sandwiches. So we just started doing to-go sandwiches. We called it like, we had a ghost kitchen. We called it Louis, like Real, Louis Real. So we called it Louis, right? And we were just fucking making chicken parm sandwiches, fucking bur- those stupid fucking butter burgers that I sell 8 billion of, um, all that shit. We just threw all that stuff together, you know, and got like the deli paper and just kind of tried to make it nice. And like, literally when we did that, there was a, it was like a fucking parade down the front, the down Fairview of my restaurant. There's a lineup of people buying sandwiches. It was crazy. And we weren't ready for it, right? Like, cause you don't know, like, where it's okay. It's like, we have to do something. We can't just sit around. We have to do something to generate some revenue and do, and do something or, or not. I'm going to have jobs, you know, and we, what do they call it? The pivoted with how the word is pivoted, you pivoted room was by fucking i pivoted so many fucking times Chris. <laughs> Let me fucking you and and uh, that's just you have to adapt and i think that's being you know like a good chef or a good leader like let's you know then today i'm responsible for 18 fucking people there yep. you know some of them have children have families and have this and that like it's you know i didn't want to just lay down so you know but yeah the, the restaurant told me there was things that even during then like the restaurant would not allow me to do them yeah it's interesting it's a it's a big you know i think it's a it's bigger than sometimes we really realize oh fuck a hundred a hundred percent like a hundred percent like and people don't you know, like the average customer doesn't realize it. They just see the one side of it, right? Like it's, yep. you know, they're just a consumer. So they think this is awesome, but fuck like. A lot of moving pieces in that back behind the, behind those walls. What's that? 
a lot of moving pieces behind the wall. A lot of moving pieces. Like they didn't, they don't, they didn't see that I was on the roof of the fucking restaurant for four hours today when it was 114 outside in Houston. You know, replacing PVC pipe because I really don't have the budget to call an uh, HVAC guy to come and do it. You know, there's all these other things that come into play owning your own business owning a restaurant people just see like the romantic food side of it yeah uh, everybody hits so it's, it's gonna be so romantic to open a restaurant yeah right it, it's hard it, it's hard it's hard. not it's not for everyone no it's personal no. it's a very personal choice that people it make. is fucking it's 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 super personal and i saying like you get these like people write about you that everyone can read yep i think that's the thing that people forget it's personal and that fucking hurts sometimes if you you know like, I don't want to rip on like, you know, food writers and, and, and that kind of stuff. But like, I I honestly don't like if a food writer comes in, like when we open Real and they, and I know, you know, you know who the fuck all of them are, right? You see them come in or you like, it doesn't matter what the reservation, you know who the fuck these people are. They come in and eat and they tell you how great you are and they fucking stroke you off and it's awesome. I'm so happy you're doing this. And then you I see them you know, and they fucking rip on you. What the, like, why didn't you just tell me that? Why didn't you tell me that to my face? And I could have made it better, you know, whatever, instead of like coming in four fucking times or three times and then fucking shitting on me or saying this or saying you didn't like that or, you know. But that's that show business, baby. <laughs> All right, let's play a game, my friend. You ready? Right? Yeah. Coffee or tea? I don't drink hot drinks. I've never drank a cup of coffee in my life or smoked a cigarette. Never. Okay. <laughs> Not like, I didn't know that. That's amazing. All right. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Vermont or Canadian maple syrup? Oh, listen man i don't want your shitty fucking southern maple syrup okay but <laughs> you can fucking stick that shit <laughs> okay uh, vermont's fucking southern quebec bullshit <laughs> chicken or duck duck beef or pork beef squab or quail Quail. Sashimi, nigiri. Nigiri. Sea urchin, caviar. Caviar. Lobster, crab. Crab. Interesting. Listen, lobster's another one of those fucking fluff dishes for me. Like, ooh, let's get fucking lobster. You didn't have to do anything. You threw in the fucking boiling water. Like, you yeah, know. Come on, come on. Don't say, I mean, I grew up in New England, man. That was a different. Oh, yeah, like, you guys, like, all my buddy, like, guys that I knew that are from, like, down east like that. Like, I remember one of my friends, the guy I played hockey with, was from Halifax. Like, the dude never ate a steak till he was, like, 17 years old. He'd stay lobster. lobster every day. That's what all the like poor a... folks fucking eat. Because yeah, all hot. the fucking dads were lobster fishermen, so they stayed lobster all the fucking time. Isn't that crazy to think? It's crazy. Yeah. There's, there's still laws on the books in New England that you can't feed prisoners lobster more than three times a week. That sucks. I mean, granted, they haven't fed lobsters to them in years, but um, dumplings or ravioli? Dumplings. Pasta or noodles? 
nudes. Dark spirits, light uh, light spirits. Dark. Dark beer, light beer. Light beer. I don't like drinking. Like if I'm drinking beer, I want to drink a thousand of them. I don't want some IPA fucking head that bullshit hoppy. This like I want a fucking ice cold Lone Star or like, and I can just pound them. <laughs> you want a lawnmower beer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Red wine, white wine. Right now, white. Oh yeah, I mean it's hot as all get up. Yeah, I like, and that's another. It's, it's like white wine. That it's like I like the patio pounders. You know, you just drink some fucking ice cold white wine. I could drink fucking case of it on the on, you know, it's hot outside. <laughs> Favorite candy. Oh shit, I. If you knew how much candy I ate, you'd be fucking disgusted with me. Like, so I, I like those horrible, like cherries, the gummy cherries. Oh yeah. I eat them. I have like some sitting here. I eat them fucking all the time. It's like, like if I have to go to the store for something, I grab two or three of those. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Yeah. What's your guilty pleasure? Is it those? Those, yeah. I like candy like that. You know, my, well, my, my guilty pleasure, there is never a time at my house where there's not at least one liter of chocolate milk in the fucking fridge. Wow. I pound chocolate milk. <laughs> you should be the ad campaign for that. Chocolate. I love it. I fucking <laughs> do. I don't, I don't, I, I can't tell you the last time I drank a glass of white milk and that kind of stuff, but I love fucking chocolate milk. Favorite fast food? McDonald's. Okay, now this one's going to be heated, right? People are going to go ape shit. What is your favorite barbecue? Not place. Barbecue thing you crave. I'm not a, a, like a huge barbecue guy. Um, like down here, like it's, a, it's the thing, right? Like, so if I'm going to go to a barbecue place and they all have brisket, they all have ribs, all of this, that. Like I go straight for the turkey. I, th I think that's what makes you a good like cook or pit master because turkey's fucking unforgiving, right? It's not a lot of fat in there. You can fuck that up real easy, you know? And if they have like good turkey, tell they fucking brined it. They, you know, they did the things that I, I, you know, I look at that. I go straight to the turkey to barbecue. It's funny. Cause I do the same thing. <laughs> I do. I always do that. And I do uh, beef ribs. I always like a beef rib. But turkey, I mean, you're right. Turkey is unforgiving, mm -hmm. so hard. And you know, if they can do the turkey right, pretty much everything else can be on yeah. point. Yeah. Because it, it'd just be like fucking in cardboard. I've been in some place where it's just, they, like, I think some of these maybe barbecue guys, and I'm probably going to get shit on for this, but like, they, that's a afterthought for them, right? They want, and like down here, you know, Texas, it's beef, right? It's brisket. Yeah. You know, up, you know, Carolina's that kind of stuff, it's pork. You know, it's pulled pork and that down here. It's brisket. So everyone has brisket. You know, it's it's a lot of it's kind of the same. You know, some of them are better than others, you know, this and that. But I go, I'm straight for that turkey. The one thing you miss from Canada the most, food. Food? You know, where I'm where I'm from in Winnipeg, it's it's I think there's eight hundred thousand people. It's not a big city, it's not tiny, it's not a big city. Um 
living in Texas, there's not a lot of like little diners here, like Jewish delis and that kind of stuff. Like up there, there's a lot of Eastern Europeans, like my mom's Ukraine and that kind of shit. You know, like being from North, you can go and get a corned beef sandwich somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, a fucking hot dog or a shitty burger or whatever. And I, that's like, there's a place, um, my dad probably eats there three times a week. It's called Luda's in like the North End of Winnipeg where I grew up. And it's fucking probably has 15 seats in it. Um, and I'll eat there three times a week with my dad. Like I crave going there. And and um, the lady that owns it like treats me like I'm 10. Ryan, come on in. You want this? Here, I got this. And I'll try to like, I'll try to like kind of stroke her sometimes. Like, you know, like she makes this like cabbage roll soup. It's like, it's like, you know, my, my we do cabbage rolls, like, you know, like, and that but she'll make a soup out of it and it's fucking delicious and if it's not on the menu like if it's not there i'll be like hey like uh, what about that cabbage roll soup you guys and then like i'll come back in two days it's on the menu and she fucking made it for me and i'm so fucking happy but i'm just like a spoiled brat there you know you make this for me do this and it's fucking embarrassing but it's so fucking good chris it's so good so yeah that's i i crave those little diners in that you know fucking fries and brown gravy everywhere okay Brown gravy, yeah, poutine. Tim Hortons, yes or no? I don't drink coffee. But they have other crap. I thought they always had um, I haven't been. They they just opened up two here in Houston. No way. Yeah, in Katy. um, It's about 30 minutes from from here. But um, they used to have, like, good soup and that kind of stuff and sandwiches at at Tim Hortons. Fucking lineup, man. (laughs) Printing money. (laughs) They are so ryan if people want to find you where can they find you um i'm in houston texas you can follow me what's my what's arla shane at on my igs i don't even know what it is chris <laughs> don't worry folks i'll post his stuff just post it for me. i'll send you the link dude i've got all his stuff everybody but <laughs> folks when you're in houston please make sure to go and visit ryan don't super fun i've I've known Ryan for a long time and I'll give you, here's the, here's the end of the story. When I met Ryan, we were at Aspen food and wine when chef Chris Shepard received his food and wine, best new chef award. And Ryan was there with him. My wife Tatiana and I spent pretty much all five days with these two guys. And the first night we went out for drinks, we were having a, I was having a conversation with chef Chris Shepard. I ordered a drink. And when I picked it up to put it to my face, Ryan's teeth were in my <laughs> so from that moment on I have been pretty much a fan so he like knows you should, have, you should have punched me in the face and knocked the rest of them off for doing that <laughs> was, I will never not laugh about that moment that will still go down as well. that was a good time that, that was, was a good time trip. so Ryan thank you so much it's uh absolute pleasure to have you today hey brother I appreciate you having me thank you so much